We all wish we could GM like we used to, but sometimes life gets in the way. Are you finding it harder to sustain interest in your narrative? Do your campaigns lose energy after one or two sessions? Then Session Zero might be for you. Session Zero is an innovative new treatment that allows you to capture the interest of your players before the game even starts, and then build to the kind of campaign climax you remember from your youth. Warning, Session Zero may cause side effects such as having players make up cruel nicknames for your NPCs, ceding some portion of creative control of the world to your players, having to listen to a player describe their entire incredibly emo backstory for over an hour, disappointment, death, character death, running an entirely different campaign than you expected, and fistfights. Ask your party if Session Zero is right for you. Hello and welcome to the GM screen. I'm your co-host Alex. I'm Matt. Robert. (laughs) (laughs) You're fucking dead on your feet, aren't you? Look, You're destroyed like 15 seconds in. I went to the dentist. I'm tired. Is that an exhausting activity? Yeah, I had to hold my mouth open really wide for a very long time. (laughs) Except for the first, like, five minutes when the lady was doing, like, the check. She's like, do you have any trouble, like, opening your mouth fully? And I was like, oh, no, I just wasn't paying attention. Sorry. (laughs) And I did it. She's like, oh, that's much better. And we had a laugh about it. It was really weird. You're a regular mouth pro. (laughs) I guess we found the field for you then. Yeah. uh, I don't like the word mouth pro. (laughs) I don't like yeah, the idea it's... of a stranger, a professional, okay. asking you how wide you can open your mouth. She also flossed my teeth, which was extra weird. You usually gotta pay extra for don't that. Don't they do, like, pick stomach? Well, they do the pick, and then I guess they check it with the floss. Okay, so I have two thoughts on this, and one, mouth pro is two words. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> two. And two, what the fuck are we talking about? Jesus Christ. Okay. Oh, right, we do a show. Yeah. Uh, this is actually the conclusion of what we have been referring to as the That Guy trilogy. And before, we kind of spent the first two episodes just talking about different types of terrible people in your games. I think that we spent the first two episodes dunking on assholes we've all had to deal with in our lives. <laughs> and how or to just people them. who are socially oblivious and had to deal with in our lives and how to mitigate them. Yeah, yeah. sometimes it's not anyone's fault and just a thing that needs to be like addressed, but sometimes they just suck. Yeah. Some and people are working through things and this is the appropriate uh, or in some cases only venue that they have to do it and they're not being purposefully disruptive. Right. Those are fine. Usually they turn out to be great people. In this episode, we're going to talk about the most important aspect of dealing with these guys, which is these those guys. These, that guy? That guys. Is nipping that's it. Guy? That's guys. It's that's guys. The best way is to get rid of that's guys is to nip it in the bud with something we like to call Session Zero. So, for those of you who are familiar with software exploits, you probably already guessed where we're going. Everyone else, um, a Session Zero is... A game session you hold before the game actually starts, uh, usually with the intention of creating characters, establishing the world, and making sure everyone's at least passingly familiar with the game system. And most importantly for our subject on this episode, setting expectations of content, um, how people comport themselves during the game, the shower situation. (laughs) Yeah. um, Standards of uh, role-playing, rules knowledge, hygiene, uh, seriousness versus humor. All of this is the kind of thing that we cover during a session zero. Right. It's a, you can think of it as like a, a pitch meeting for a show or um, a brainstorming session or for, a, for a novel or a short story. Right. And, you know, not every game is going to be composed of, like, 
your normal four friends that are in every game. So it's also a great way just to make sure the people you invited can actually exist in a room together for three to four hours. Yeah. yeah which is kind of where we're going with this. I think that's a fair because point. Because if you can identify that guy in session zero, they don't have to show up to session one. Yeah, and we talked a lot about, like, somebody showing up with a 16-page kitsune backstory about how their half-demon mother... Uh, crime, 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 sex, 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 crime. I was going to say, um, when that started, exactly how many episodes of Dragon Ball is this? Yeah, and the point is, if they Four. if they start making that in Session Zero, you can very kindly say, how about a Halfling Rogue? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially if it's a new session, but even if it's something you guys have played a lot of time before, uh, I like to ask people to... Sh- I like to have blank character sheets, and then we show up at Session Zero, and I pass out the blank character sheets... And you roll or start calculating or however you're going to do the stats in front of me so that I can kind of manage expectations from the ground up. Because most people, hopefully, are going to have an idea for the character they want to play. but Because uh, that's the whole point. You have enough time during the creation process, even if all they're doing is writing down all the things they've already decided, to kind of be like, ooh, I saw you just wrote down uh, Kitsune Shoda as your <laughs> background. So, so let's kind of let's roll that back. Turn the age knob up to thirty, and then we can talk. <laughs> yeah, you can. It's okay if your character is like sexually active because that's just how people are. But like, let's not do a sex crime. Yeah, let's not have that be a character concept. I hate this. Okay, so I hate that. That's something we've all had to deal with at different times. Yeah, yeah. one of the ones I dealt with was that and a talking horse. I would allow the talking horse. Are no, they... no, it was both of them at the same oh, time. No. <laughs> okay. no. See, I understood that, and my, like intellectually, and my emotional brain was refusing to parse that sentence. See, so I was halfway between. I thought it was two separate things, and if someone said, I want to be a talking horse, I wouldn't say no. I'd say, go on, because I want to know what they're thinking. Yeah, like, is it, he was like trying to do something, and he was like, yeah, and also it's a horse. And we're like, word. And then... They started doing chaotic evil things. Fill it in yourself. Uh, that uh, that brings up a good point that Session Zero has a lot of other positive functions. Right. Making sure that everyone's on the same page uh, as far as both the tone of the setting and the <laughs> um, fact that your characters should get along. Like, okay, yeah. as a DM, origin stories are fun in theory. We've all tried to do a, like, you guys meet and decide to save the world together adventure, right? Yeah. Sure. Y'all find each other on Craigslist. Also known as the tavern. I am recording this podcast with two of my best friends in the world, and I will still say that three out of four people who show up to any of my games are dipshits. (laughs) Uh, Why did we both wave when he said that? I don't know why we did it. Uh, so <laughs> we're really good friends. That's why we wait. Oh. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm gonna put this knife down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Those are scissors. I was, I'm scissors still just, are just two knives. <laughs> like I'm still just swinging around a sharp thing while people are presumably saying nice things. It felt contradictory. <laughs> it's a good idea to have at the start of the campaign all of the characters, no matter what the campaign is, it can be uh, Shadowrun or some kind of, like, uh, I was going to say Cyberpunk 2020, but that's just Shadowrun without orcs. Uh, It can be (laughs) Shadowrun or Stars Without Number or any Dungeons & Dragons or Dungeons & Dragons derivative. 
It is so much better to have the characters already know each other and already be comfortable with each other and already be comfortable working together because that like intro thing of like, but why would I work for with you guys? All I care about is money. Sucks ass. It sucked ass the first time. It sucked ass the 30th time. So yeah, I feel like our next campaign after uh, Watch Your Damn Self takes off should definitely just be the complete and total destruction of you all meet in an inn. I like, don't can like we... the inn meet. Look, I... you all meet is the is the That's... issue. The inn is fine. You are all together at the inn. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, look, when you go into the inn and the shady guy in the big hood tells you you have to go get the MacGuffin from Rat City, that's fine. But the fact that you all were just having a drink and some guy was like, hey, I got 30 gold over here, like, we can do better than that. I feel like that would have avoided the adventure that I believe you were in where a bunch of people murdered, like, half of a town in order to find out that the true fr- the true treasure was the friendship they made along the way? Well, that was for most of us, except for that one guy that stole the entire bank. What? Was that James? That was James. That okay. would be James, yeah. Look, I was just playing as a centaur because I could get away with it. <laughs> Look, I was a cleric. That was the centaur for disease control. I've said your name twice now. Uh, James, if you're listening to this, thank you. And also... Thanks, <laughs> James. <laughs> and also... I really appreciate the way you play your, like, the way that you play your characters. You don't, like, give in to the ideas of, uh, of, uh, party unity over creating a good and interesting story. Yeah, like, the only person who actually, like, fell for any of Swaga's, uh, uh, illusions in that one Warhammer Fantasy campaign. And again, I really appreciate that, because it was in character for you. Yeah. And and your, and your character. (laughs) Uh, so... Have the characters meet. Yeah, have the characters meet. Or uh, have the characters have met beforehand. That's kind because, of the side, but yeah. But it's important because it lets you do your first real have the first real session already have momentum behind it. You all yeah. know each other. You all maybe even know the objective. First session should not be a meet cute, guys. Yes, I know one person who managed to pull off the uh, your characters don't know each other before the campaign starts without like several hours of people trying to argue that they weren't even remotely interested in playing the fucking game that we showed up for. And even he had a session zero beforehand to like describe like the scenario and who your characters were and he went over everyone's goals and were like, okay, what what does your character want out of their life and why would in a metagame context, why would they be interested in the game that's about to happen? Right. Because I think that's the most important thing to establish, uh, character like background and backstory wise is why is your character here to play this game? Because right. if you build a character who's not here to play the game, you need to leave. That's like, again, I think I brought this up in one of the other episodes, but I was looking to start a group in my office, and some guy said, I, I usually play characters who don't give a fuck about anyone else. I was like, well, at least that made that decision easy. Yeah, it was really cool not picking you. Yeah, it was really, you're a good friend and all, but uh, we're, no. And that's not to say you can't have characters with adversarial relationships within the campaign. Me and Matt on uh, one of uh, Neverwinter server had two characters who started as adversaries and were adversaries pretty much their entire... How many years did we play those characters? I felt like they were friends. (laughs) (laughs) But that's just because I owned you for two years. (laughs) Uh, So for a multi-year span, we had two characters that were in a pretty adversarial relationship because of 
chivalry laws, and I lost the first honor duel, I guess. You lost the first seven. Seven. Um, and you won the last one because when you tried to surrender, I hit you in the mouth with a mace, and it garbled your words, uh, and then you got a lucky crit. The crit started happening. <laughs> yeah, the, your engine finally kicked off. <laughs> Eight duels into the game. What what I'm saying is, you don't all have to be friends, but as long as you're working towards a common goal, yeah, is what's important. You don't all have to, you know, have each other on. Have all your characters be people that send each other Christmas cards every year. Um, You can actually actively hate each other. Yeah, Yeah, and it's absolutely fine to have ulterior motives. Um, James, is, <laughs> if you build a character whose plan is to join this adventuring party and help them so that he can assassinate all of the important people that they're going to talk to because he'll have learned all about their defenses, James. Uh, That's fine. That was yeah. your campaign, right, Alex? That sounds about right. That's yeah. also a dope-ass character. Yeah. That's an incredibly cool character, right. and it generates narrative for the campaign. Right. And, Yeah. That's really cool. I, I was going to say something, but I got caught up thinking about it, honestly. I'm uh, playing I'm playing a character in a game right now uh, who has spent most of the game being kind of... Being very professional. Like, being very helpful to the party, but not super engaging with the rest of them. Okay. Uh, and it may come to light soon that they were kind of doing something very similar, where they were uh, trying to advance a different group's go- goals by assisting the party. Sure. But that's still a character who showed up to play the game. Right. And it's the characters who show up to be ladder salesmen. Or like, uh, <laughs> you know, we could go on this adventure, but it's dangerous and we'll die. Well, you should have thought of that before you made an adventurer. Yeah. I mean, there are, like, plenty of examples. And again, like, this is coming off as a thing. We're not trying to say that everyone needs to be super buddies again. Like, you can have a Bilbo in your party of the person who... Like, you can come up with circumstances that are forcing you to do this, but that's, again, that's more of a, we're trying to create a character justification when I feel like the biggest problem is player justification. Yeah. Where it's like, they're just like, oh, well, yeah, I'm not going in there. Cool. Go get us more snacks then while we play the game. Yeah, leave, I guess. (laughs) And I've, I've in character decided not to go into a dangerous situation that the rest of the party wanted to go into. But I wasn't a dick about it. Yeah, yeah like, I'd like I went out and walked the dogs if I remember correctly last time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. During the last one, we were playing Mutant Year Zero, and you fucked off onto the final boss fight. <laughs> I didn't want to fight that fucking building. Yeah, but there was I a sen- there the was a sentient building. So. Well, I mean, I gave them a MacGuffin cannon. I forgot about, and it died almost immediately. <laughs> and I was super proud of them. I actually had two uh, two examples of games where. The uh, characters and the players were were aware of this. Were thrown together by circumstance. Um, one was back in college. We played a game where everyone was criminals, uh, and we kind of all ended up being for the same criminal organization. I think I actually also ran a game with that same premise. You did, uh, which was the one where you stabbed that guy in the chest with like a chair. A leg? chair leg. Nice. I got hired to rough them up, and I said. Obviously, to use an improvised weapon because it does less damage than my standard dagger. Yeah. And then I did the crit. I did the crit. Uh, And then I put a chair leg through his chest. Uh, I fixed him. And then I robbed his friend who was freaking out about it, but... I played a very good uh, Shadowrun campaign I really enjoyed where uh, the starting premise was that our characters didn't know each other. But we were all people that the, I think, Armenian mafia had something on. 
So, like, they brought us together to do this job so that... Because they owned us a little bit. So that's interesting, because if the players can't come up with a justification or don't want to come up with a justification as to why they would work together, you as a DM can give them a reason, and they can build off of that. Because for what Matt just said, you can say, okay, y'all are going to be in this party, the, the mob has something on every one of you, and if they can all build that with their, build their character with that in mind, they'll still have a cohesive party, even if they didn't necessarily come to the table with the intent to have a cohesive party. Yeah, and it allows everyone to write in their own dark secret without it being, like, forced. Right, and it, it you, you provide direction. Especially, I think, that'd be useful with a new party that may not know. Mm. Because, like I think Alex said, everyone's kind of tired of the tavern meet cute. Um, I hate that fucking phrase. Um, everyone's kind of tired of it. Everyone's heard it at least once if they've ever played or heard about playing a role-playing game. So give them an excuse. Of course, review it with the character with the players beforehand. Not everyone might want to be a criminal. Some people might be morally against that, which is weird, but I've seen it happen. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a valid way to host your session zero, is to come and be like, here's why y'all are together. Give me characters that fit within that framework, if that's okay with y'all. So, obviously, yes. Everything you just said was correct. Uh, I feel like... No. We just... <laughs> shut up, you. Uh, we just posited uh, the corollary to something we've talked about previously. We've talked about uh, player and DM collaboration on storytelling mm-hmm. uh, with, the, with the broader narrative. And I think it's important that that goes the other direction. I think that if you have players, they have to be willing to compromise some aspect of their vision for the character, at least before the game starts, in order to fit them into the world that you guys have designed together. Right. If they're unwilling to come up with a dark secret for their character or to uh, figure out a reason that like their character would be in willing to dive into dungeons or what have you, they're probably not a good player. Or at least not a good role player yet. Yeah, because if, yeah. if, if you're ceding some aspect of your control over the story, they have to cede at least a little bit of... They have to be understanding of the fact that they might cede some control over their character. Because... At some point, their character might get geased or, uh, like, get terrified and have to flee something. And you don't want a player meltdown, like, seven sessions in because they saw a dragon. Yeah. Uh, Unless you do. Because, again, if you're going into it with the right mindset, this could be a very fun character. Yeah, but not a fun player. Okay, that's true. That's that's the thing is you want to you want to make sure the player is comfortable with the fact that they won't always have one hundred percent control of their, of their character. Because there are mechan- there are not even narratively there are mecha- like Matt said there are mechanics that will take that away from them. Mm-hmm. Like what if another character casts a charm person spell on them, or even hold person and they can't move. Yeah, oh, man, hold person is the longest seconds that exist in the entire world. There's a there's this is a. A concept for another day, probably a, a game lab, but game mechanics that take the ability to interact with the game away from the players work really well tactically and very poorly in a like actually having fun sort of way. Yeah, yeah. Speaking as someone who had a fighter in Neverwinter that got held personed for or feared for multiple rounds, I could only type. Ah, so many times before I got bored. How many times did we fight vampires and I was fine because I was immune to their effects and you were, like, just frozen while I killed 16 vampires? I was frozen, but my 34 AC meant I could not die. (laughs) Yeah. 
You were just this nice big like light pole that all the vampires were drawn to like silly moths, and yeah. I would just fight three of them at a time until they were all dead. I'm not getting any of that, but this whole thing is definitely giving me PTSD flashbacks to the first Pokemon games, where oh. rap prevent, where the, the tech rap prevented you from being able to attack. So yeah. if the other person was faster than you, you didn't do anything. Or paralyze, and just like, I attack. No, no, you, you actually don't. don't. Yeah. Or just like, you know, you get paralyzed and confused, because those could stack. Oh, it's God, be like, could? Yeah. You yeah. Have 50% chance. Oh, you actually move. But what if you punched yourself instead? <laughs> now we're thinking. So I think we covered that. Now I just want to go check out the Pokemon D20 game. I've heard good things. There's a Pokemon D20 game? There are two. No. One you play yeah. as a Pokemon. Oh, hey. The other one you play as a trainer. You should be able to play as a Pokemon. Did I make that one up? <laughs> You're thinking of Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. Please tell me they have a tabletop game for that. They probably do. Uh, the Pokemon, the Pokemon tabletop games are both more based on the Pokemon Adventures manga, where like Pokemon get fucking chopped in half. Uh, uh, and people, and people <laughs> Alex nodded when Matt said that. I don't. Oh like no, that. it gets fucking metal in the comics, dude. And people occasionally get like drowned. Well, so, um, I did make a joke about strapping a grenade to an Oddish yesterday, so... Yeah. I guess I'd be It's the worst one to strap a grenade to. You it doesn't have them. limbs. You can throw them, though. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw the grenade. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they're very much, like, you pick a class. Uh, the old one, I was looking into the new one recently, but the old one was very, like based on the the types of trainers you would encounter. So it was like, oh, do you want to be a mystic? Do you want to be a mountain climber? Do you want to be a martial artist? Okay. And some of them got, like, catch bonuses, and some of them were expected to, like, punch Arbox with their Pokemon. (laughs) Yeah, how do you catch the first one? With punches! I like that idea. If you're a a martial artist, you go out there and fight a Machoke. Yeah. (laughs) That's the whole deal. It's pretty great. That's I don't that's dumb. You'd play it though. I would play it. We should be friends to Pokemon though. Don't strap grenades to Oddish's people. Go go watch. No one but you wanted to do that. (laughs) That was your whole idea, and again, it was remarkably inefficient. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well Oddish sucks. Can't eat them. Can't you? I think they're poisonous. They do emit poison. Every grass Pokemon was poisoned in the first game. Or do they emit paralysis? Wait, there were no And sleep, all three. There were no non-poison grass Pokemon? Tangela. Tangela was the only one. There we go. So Zoodles. Wait, am I thinking of Venonat or did... uh, (laughs) That's a bug, dude. That's a bug. Or, I have a sentence to finish here. Did uh, Poison Gym Guy have a Tangela? No. No, grass person had a Tangela. Yeah. Okay. But for some reason, a lot of people in the Poison Gym had a Mr. Mime, which is poisonous to the soul, but not a poison type. Guys, they set that Mr. Mime on fire. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh god, yeah. He, he might have died. If you haven't seen Detective Pikachu... Go see Detective Pikachu. It's out of theaters. Yeah, and also somebody gets uh, fucking Reservoir Dogged. <laughs> but, like, imaginary-ish. It was real to him. Yeah, it was real. It was fucking insane. <laughs> they made Bill Nye say the word Pokemon a lot and have to be serious about it. That was a good movie. Okay, um... Wait, when did Bill Nye talk? He was the, the old guy that ran the news station, remember? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Was he? And then he did spoilery stuff. Um, that was Bill Nye? Nye. The, the actor. He, Not the science guy. <laughs> oh, goddammit, Alex. <laughs> no, the British actor. He played Davy Jones in Pirates of the Caribbean. That's... 
an entirely different, different Bill word. In William Nye. Yeah. Nye. I was trying to say it differently. <laughs> Sir William Nye. Okay, um, let's move on to our next... I don't know. I'm okay with this being a Pokemon podcast now. <laughs> Shut up, it's a No, it's a podcast entirely about the Pokemon tabletop RPG. Is where next? Actual play now. Uh, okay. Yes. So, I we, we have, I think, differing opinions on the where to hold sessions, period. Mm-hmm. Um, Is it not just in someone's dining room? Well, okay, you can play online. You can uh, play online. Yeah. We'll do an episode about that. I'm really excited about it. The answer um, is, please do it, but God, is it hard. Yes, but I know, Matt, you like Roleplay Rally. Yes, but that's because it has epic games and other shit I can't do at my table. I don't like God to see my sins, so I keep it inside my house. Thank you. I remember the time that we uh, played at that pseudo-defunct convention, and you almost melted I was, I was basically scratching my hair out. I couldn't stand it. You, you weren't out in high school. They make me pay for drinks out there. I don't have to pay for drinks in my own home. Well, you already did. Well, they're cheaper. Okay, Much. alternative thought on that. I definitely drank maybe a few too many uh, uh, of my delicious homemade white Russians uh, during the Warhammer fantasy roleplay campaign you did, and I can remember two-thirds of it really clearly. <laughs> well, okay, if you do that, maybe hold it in a public space. Um, okay, so I think that the best option is to hold the session zero wherever you're planning to hold the rest of your sessions. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Otherwise, you're kind of giving false expectations for what it's going to be like. Because I've definitely had these where it's just a nice hangout in like someone's living room, and we're all just like snacking, and big Netflix is on. Like It's just an evening where like this is totally different from what anything's about to be. So make sure session zero is directed. It's also it's a very good uh, test of whether or not uh, the people involved are capable of making it to whatever you're doing on time and committed enough to actually show up to it. Because mm. if it's hey, it's at my house, come on this Saturday, we're going to make characters and stuff, and like somebody just goes, ah, I'll just show up for the first game. No, you're done with them. Wow, you're probably done with them. I'll get to that. Uh, so I have the uh, they run the risk of being done in about four sessions. Yes. I have, the, I have the five W's and the H right here, so we'll get to who soon. Apparently he works for fucking Vice now. Yeah. Your little Look, notebook full of questions. I did cocaine up my ass so you don't have to. That's I right. wasn't going to, so thank you. That is such you. a good Vice article. <laughs> I fucking love Vice. Um, y'all should read it if you can. It's really interesting. They accidentally get their assistant high. I've heard, I've heard that Vice is uh, <laughs> less than it used to be, but I do still remember the one where they were talking about, like... Um, Ukrainian resistance and talking to a man named Thor who started the interview with I worship the old gods. I'm, my most recent Vice article was I took uh, this wasn't the title but it was I took gas station boner pills so you don't have to. Um, Is that all they do? Is no. there some guy who just takes drugs and writes about them? That so by, you don't have to. Don't take gas station boner pills. His heart almost exploded. He had to go to the hospital. Yeah, like that's that. That's just priapism <laughs> central right there, man. <laughs> And he asked some guys, like, are there any actual drugs in this? It's like, there's no regulations, but there's, like, five times a regular dose of boner medicine in every single one of those. What's a regular amount? I don't know any. Alex, um, where... So, yeah. Do you have a preference? Do you like to just be at the table, Alex? Oh, absolutely. Like, in my humble opinion, tabletop games are just in someone's dining room. Yeah. Like, that's just where they happen. I know there are places you can go to do it. And sometimes you have to do them online. Yeah, and I have tried that, 
And I don't think I've ever had a game that did that that lasted more than about two sessions. Right. It's tough. I run into an issue with my online games where since you're not seeing the people in person, it's a lot easier to blow it off. Yeah. Yeah, and plus, it's an online session, so I have to be on a computer, and that's where my Steam library is. That's uh, why I like role-playing with an established games, like Neverwinter. Um, there are some degenerates that role-play in Final Fantasy fourteen and WoW. Obviously, that's a whole episode in and of itself. Um, but What is that degenerate? I thought you had to be role-playing to do that. You're a different dude now. <laughs> No, you're the same dude, but without pants on. Yeah. This is Final Fantasy. Or possibly too many pants. Sometimes too many, too belts. many pants. And they tone down the belts. Too Fuck many belts off. to hold up the no pants. So the the uh, the corollary, I've now said that twice this episode. You have. It's your SAT word of the week. To where is when. And uh, my normal stance is that you should hold a session zero at the same time in the same place that you would hold the thing. Saturdays at two. Uh, like if yeah, if you're playing on Saturdays at two, Saturdays at two at the same place, just treat it like a normal session. It really is, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's we we had to move to every other Saturday at two, but yeah, because we're old. You should show up to the game. Shut up. Remember when we were trying to do evening games for a bit? We did. I don't. We alternated evening and morning games because I was doing something every other Saturday during the day. Morning games. Well, not morning. Uh, two. Okay, I was two like, in the afternoon is the morning on Saturday. If you want me to roll to a roll to a table at nine a.m., you're going to see some shit. <laughs> That's what I did on a role play rally, and will not do again until the next role play rally. Jeez, man, dumb. Um, so it's good yeah, shit. I just I fucking <laughs> it's good shit. I went to fucking Stardock, man. I don't even know what that means. I spell jammered. I space pirated. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, while we're doing this, we might as well just get the side note here. When is a good time to run games? Like, clearly, some kind of a weekend afternoon is probably the best bet for everyone. That It is the largest stumbling block to get a game off the ground, particularly if you're an adult and gets gainfully or non-gainfully employed. Yeah, okay, everyone in college or high school or, just like, in the not-working world... Do it literally whenever. Savor yeah. that moment. Anytime play, you get the Play chance. for 19 hours... And then just enjoy that you got that opportunity. Meet up at 10 p.m. on a Wednesday because you can. Get, yeah, if you meet up at 10 p.m., order some pizza, freak the fuck out for a little while, drink until you fall asleep, wake up, do it again. Wake like, up, slam a five-hour energy, kick some more ass. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then you'll hit, like, 30, and you'll never want to do that again. Yeah, and then you'll be like us, eventually, and we'll be like, oh, well. Ah, yes, 10 o'clock. It is time for bed. As much as I keep harassing you, get your schedule right, Swogs. Nah, uh, what's wrong with my schedule? You work till eight. Shit. It's ridiculous. I work till seven going forward. I guess that's better. That is technically more feasible. <laughs> I've been, I look. It works for my dog, and that's the only person I care about. Fuck y'all. Fair. <laughs> okay. Um, girlfriend? No. Dog? Yes. <laughs> so here's an important question uh, that I think we might actually have differing answers to. Hmm. Who needs to come to a session zero? I mean, everyone, presumably. I Preference is everyone. I don't know. Where do you draw the line on someone who you're comfortable with them creating a character irrespective of the group? Matt, you let me create characters just in my spare time. If I have a bad session and my character is near death, I'll just roll one up that night, and you're generally fine with it. Mostly because I consult you 
the whole hour I spent yeah, well, yeah. doing it. Now, yeah, he, which is a good, which is a mark of somebody who's going to create a good character. Yeah. Now, here's the catch twenty two of that though, because the people that don't need to be there are the people that are very comfortable with both the game and the games you run. So they would be able to make something that works just fine. But those are also the people you want at the session to help keep everything in order and help the new people figure out where everything lies. My my thought is that you need at least... If you have access to veterans of your campaigns or of the game system who will be playing in this campaign, you need at least one of them at session zero. One for each of those categories. My counter to that is... I, if I was DMing a, a system that Matt was very familiar with that you'd never played, I would prefer Matt have that character built ahead of time so he could help you while I'm helping someone else. Fair. <clears throat> See, I would more prefer that they came to Session Zero, again, like, knowing what they want to do, but, like, rolled their dice there, uh, and then not necessarily have them finish a character at Session Zero. Because they can do it on their own. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I like that. Because that way they control off the, me- the mechanical process of making the character. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I I think anybody who's new to the system or anybody who's new to your games needs to be at the session zero. Absolutely. If they can't make it to the session zero and you can't reschedule it to a point where they can make it to the session zero, they're probably not a good fit for your campaign. Now, I've definitely had those scenarios and someone couldn't make it because life happens. I'd be like, okay, cool. Well, on the actual first day, just show up like an hour beforehand and I'll help you get things running. Like, I've work. made that work. That could work because you as the DM have knowledge of everything that's mm-hmm. going on. Yeah, I mean, it uh, does leave them a little <laughs> bit in the dark because now they're going to have to work around basically a fully existing party and setting. Yeah. I So I ran everyone through a Session Zero for a Traveler campaign recently and Traveler is a game that lives and dies on its Session Zero. I've never actually run a game of it. I've only done the Session Zero bits, and I still love this game so much. To be fair, the Session Zero bits are amazing. What's Traveler again? Traveler is uh, the... It's Dungeons & Dragons, but space. Okay. Uh, from from a, from a like heritage standpoint. Okay. Like, it started in, I think, 76. It's oh. the closest we're ever going to get to a good Cowboy Bebop game. Makes well, sense. Well, that's actually the point I was going to make, is uh, I... Swagger wasn't able to make it to that one, but presumably he will be in the campaign, because it... It's right up my alley. Yeah. So are you just going to be our Ed and just kind of show up at some point? Well, uh, my thought was... Swagger's familiar with the universe. He's not familiar with the system, but I can do independent character creation with him at some point uh, because I can give him the idea, which in this case is uh, a group of people in the Cowboy Bebop universe trying to take down a mega corporation who all have a personal grudge against it, and he'll be able to create a, create a character with it during character creation while learning the rules because he's so familiar with the universe. Can he be someone that knows Gun? Because we forgot to do that. I love knowing Gun. <laughs> so, uh, yes. Did you forget that Afton's a fucking space marine? Yeah, and she kept getting all of the not gun points. <laughs> she can karate people and wear big armor. She has some gun skill. Cool. I took literally none. I'm playing as the trust fund baby that's funding y'all. <laughs> I like that. It's really good. Uh, the moral of the story Details is Details later, because they don't care. If, yeah, you're pl- if you're playing uh, a specific genre or setting... And you can trust... I feel like the, the the thing that takes the least priority is rules, because you can always help someone through the rules if they're familiar with RPGs in general. 
so if someone's familiar with the settings involved, it's easier to have them skip the session zero if they just can't make it. Like, if you really, really um, want to start next month, like, three weeks from now, and you want to do the session zero next week, and your buddy who's been playing with you for six years can't make it, just have him create a character. Which, Send him a PDF and hope for the best. It'll be fine. If, if you do have a homebrew setting where someone can't be intimately familiar with it, uh, and hey, I made a wiki for mine. That, that was my point. I was about to say, make a Google Doc with all the basics. I'm going to be writing a Google Doc soon because I've, I've figured some stuff out. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. Are you creating a setting now? Yeah, I am. Ooh, I'm excited. Elves live in a mountain. I'm down. There's a reason for it. <laughs> I will, obviously. Um, well, but, yeah, they didn't just think it was fun. No, uh, but yeah, I am creating a setting now. I'm very excited. I just, um, and I know that I don't give out like the hints very often, but I also know that people don't pay a lot of attention. I just want somebody uh, to play one of my campaigns long enough to figure out where the dragons went. No, who? Uh, well, there are no dragons, huh? Yeah, there we just figured there aren't any because we're all level three, oh. and you're not an asshole. <laughs> oh, are there dragons? There are two dragons. Are there dragons in my setting? I don't know. I hadn't thought about dragons. Matt, you're throwing me in for a loop. There are two things in the name of the most popular D&D game forever. Sorry, role-playing game forever. And they're Dungeons and Dragons. I forgot about the dragons. Also, ampersands have been outlawed. (laughs) Ampersands, whack. No ampersands. The question of where dragons are is at the (laughs) core of the history of my setting. It is before the first apocalypse. Uh, yeah, I was saying, like, I have a post-apocalyptic game, and I think I have a better idea of how many dragons there are there than your <laughs> fantasy game. Here's the right. answer. Way more than there should be. <laughs> You're right, because there's a big question mark right now. I um, think you would probably enjoy... You're not a big fan of apocalypse settings, I'm but I think you would it. probably enjoy the... Uh, the mindset. My setting has four ages... You'd probably enjoy the Rebuilding Age because it's a fantasy, like, sword and sorcery. Sure. Uh, post post. Why don't we both go for ages immediately when we're designing settings? Also, because why didn't we... you guys just redesigning Numenera? Because, A, because we ate Lord of the Rings when we were children. We ate them really, And, B, yeah. I didn't. <laughs> nice. A lot of those words just sound... I, if anything, I redesigned Wheel of Time. Ah. Also oh, accepted Wheel of Time. Okay. Okay, we Look, also... I now- read 14 of those books, and I'm still not done. <laughs> no, it's the world's shortest... It's the world's longest short series, because I think you just read the first one and call it a day. Yeah, if you read the first book... I read the and, first one. Yeah, no, you're good. You read the first book, and you're done forever. It's got Loghain in it, who's cool. It has an ending, which none of the other books have. <laughs> Didn't he die? Logan? No. The author. Yes. Name and a fantasy were, series that has stopped. And then there were three more hey, books. Hey, look. Lord of the Rings finished just fine. What Christopher Tolkien did afterwards was an affront to God. I was going to say, I'm going to say Frank Herbert, and you're going to start crying. Oh, man. Yeah, I was going to say, or the Herbert I kid. I want to talk about the Butlerian Jihad. That book was bad. Those can't be the real words they yeah, call them. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Yeah, man, I read it all the way through. It's not good. Jesus. Uh, it's not what we would call a time that happy people were having. I tried to check out Dune as an audiobook, and it took so long that my fucking library card expired. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry. They're making another movie. Just uh, go see that. I really don't want to. Me either. Oh. Why are they making another movie? They already had one with Sting. Because Avengers worked. 
That's not a good reason. But it is the reason. That's fair. <laughs> we can make long, convoluted sci-fi movies now. Yeah. Hey, you know what? You know what? Maybe this one will be good. I don't think it will. It yeah. won't. <laughs> Maybe it'll be good. Their suits suck the water out of their poop. You can't put that in a movie. <laughs> you shouldn't put that in a movie. It's in the book. <laughs> also... All of the combat is very interesting when described and very boring to watch because it's about people trying to stab each other as slowly as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to it's move very even... delicately to get through the shields or else we all blow up. That's it's not oh even blow God. No, the laser guns uh, blow up you and the person you're shooting at because yeah. apparently you can't drop it after you fire it. Uh, the stabbing is you just have to go slow you enough to, to get through the in. shield. And this that one. Yeah. Oh man, I forgot about that. That's the. That's so good though, because <laughs> it sounds so good to explain. But I yeah, don't... it's such an interesting concept. I don't want to see. It's a slow. It's a sword fight at fourth speed <laughs> that you ramp up to three times speed in the last half second. Why do they even have to slow it down? A normal sword swing is still way slower than Anne Bullet. Too fast. Still too fast, because the shield was designed to stop you from getting stabbed to death. Then Herbert should have written the shield to be shittier. <laughs> Fuck you, Herbert's a saint. Herbert wrote a really, really cool universe. Yeah, he did. I can't traverse a desert in a game without thinking about, um... Not the worms. What were they called? Thumpers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I cannot... Without thinking about that specific idea, I don't know why. What is it? Uh, the worm moves... <laughs> What's the thing? <laughs> Fucking if you, look! If you walk without rhythm, you won't attract the worm. Right, right, right. And that is the also only line. So cool! In like Weapon of Choice by Fatboy Slim. Is it? Yeah, really. It's one of two. It's one of two lines. One is check out my new weapon, Weapon of Choice, and the other is uh, if you walk without rhythm, you won't attract the worm. And. The music video is performed entirely by Christopher Walken in an empty room. Right. I do remember that, but also... I yeah, because like it was to, like a Mac Hall comic. Yeah, it was. I'd also like to reiterate how... I don't know why, but that idea is so cool with non-rhythmic walking. Because yeah. it's so alien to us because everyone does it. It's cool. Anyways, let's... Uh, so we got one more point. Unamas. We do? Which is, I think, the most <laughs> important one, which is how do you hold a session zero? How do you structure it? Okay. So I think... I mean, clearly it starts with everyone sitting down and, like, well, you got to roll your stats. I think it starts before this it, actual session no. starts. You need character sheets set out on the table. You need an idea of who's going to be there. And you need, and this is crucial, I cannot overstate this enough. I don't know if this is your point. You need more than one goddamn player's handbook. Oh, yes. I Please. think more than one goddamn player's handbook is a luxury to be afforded to people who have players who give even one quarter of a shit about their game. Alex, why don't you have a player's handbook for this year? Yeah, Alex. They're expensive, and I have the PDFs. They were like $12 last year at Christmas. Okay, since it is no longer Christmas, that doesn't help me. If you, okay. So well, when I say player's handbook, Alex raises a valid point. You don't need a physical player's handbook. When I show up to a session zero, Matt has his, if Matt's DMing, I have mine, and then I have a PDF of them as well on an iPad. That I could hand out because nothing slows down play. First off, and session zero is like having a single match showing Alex a listing of prices. How much are they? That's okay, well, first off, the one he's showing me is on eBay. That doesn't count. That doesn't. Two ninety nine. That doesn't count. It's on eBay. They're definitely just gonna send you a box full of hand grenades. <laughs> They're gonna send you a shoe. 
uh, weighs up the approximate amount of a handbook. This is okay, how drug fine. deals happen. It was yeah, $30 on Amazon. That's, that's, that's a chunk of change. Um, that's, that's, two, that's one eat out with your sweetie. <laughs> if that. A five. Uh, <laughs> wait. How many $6 dates have you got on? No, I said I'm five. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> the moral a single is, eat out. Yeah, a single eat out. I end, okay, <laughs> day... <laughs> Oh, I finally got it. <laughs> a single meal out. Look, if you got if you paid uh, $30 for a round of tongue boxing with your uh, significant other. First off, I don't think she is, but okay. That's a whole uh, different animal. And you're probably going to be having more fun at D&D. But uh Look, it wrong. yeah. Uh, PDFs Printouts of the relative or of the relevant ability stuff. Uh, the books, the the core rules for Dungeons and Dragons, which include like four classes and four races, are available for free online uh, from the actual wizard site. Please don't steal PDFs. Please but, don't. Like, if you buy them from uh, DriveThruRPG.com or someplace that doesn't a have legitimate them. business that has the rights to them, yeah, uh, defo bring PDFs, give them to your friends, whatever. Yeah, make make sure there's at least a couple of reference materials available. And now this can be difficult for certain settings. For many years, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay was a particularly difficult one to set up because there are and Dark Heresy. Um, they were old and frequently in the process of breaking down books that were no longer printed. I immediately after the first Dark Heresy game came out, I still had to go to fucking Massachusetts to get an actual copy of the role-playing game. <laughs> so there are, what I'm saying is there are will be situations where you won't be able to have multiples of the books. Yeah. Matt's only war set is a great example. Those go for like $200 each now. I don't care how good of a game it is. That ain't worth it. Matt did not pay that much. He got yeah. very, very lucky. Um, so there will be situations where it's not an option, but preferably you should have more than one of a given book required to build characters. Is that yeah. fair? Uh, either a given book or, at the very least, the character creation Sweet. Yeah. yeah. And if you, if you have to write them yourself... That's fine. If you have to go in and be like, here are the character, the different character options, here's what you do for each of them, you might have to do that. You're the DM, the responsibility falls on you, you can't expect your players to have this level of investment this early in the campaign, because if they did, they would already have their own books. And the more obscure the setting, the more, the more it's on you to yeah. have... The required materials. The very fact that your friends were willing to sit to sit down and play something called Shadow of the Demon Lord <laughs> uh, kind of precludes them from having to buy a copy of the core rulebook beforehand. Right. They've already proven their dedication. So we've got the people, we've got the books. What else? Uh, you need to make sure, especially in a new game, you need to make sure that you have or a, a group with new players access to enough dice for everyone to use the correct amount. Right. If it's... Uh, most games have some randomization requirement, even if it's just money. You need to make sure that you have enough dice on the table that everyone can roll at the same time. Because you don't want people passing dice back and forth. Not because of any of my inbuilt prejudices against other people touching my dice, but because it will slow down the flow, and that's very important for Session Zero. And, um... 
Everyone has different philosophies as to how much dice they should own. Uh, Matt has a billion. I have three discrete sets. I have one I have not shown anyone yet because I'm saving it for a particular character because I'm crazy. <laughs> I have three discrete bags. Yeah, Alex. I am going to go with both in that I own infinity dice, and I've recently started buying fancy metal sets that no one else can touch. There you yeah. go. And yeah. by buying, I mean my girlfriend keeps getting them for me for my birthday, and I'm totally cool with that. I really appreciate that you finally joined me and Swaga at the no one else can touch my dice uh, table. Well, because I finally stopped getting the, like, Chessick ones that cost a nickel each. <laughs> hey, Chessick makes excellent dice. No. Even if they're all vaguely egg-shaped and slightly biased rolling. Wait, if you're if you're what going What fucking down, dice have you been buying? I've been rolling Chessicks my whole fucking life, and they're amazing. Alex is coming down my path where I bought casino-quality dice for a kill team. <laughs> you know the ones. I keep them in the foil wrapper. Look, as someone who's about to purchase specific... <laughs> D numbers, like a D8 and two more D20s off of Chessex and one of their Scarab sets for the new campaign uh, from their extremely outdated mail order <laughs> uh, website. Mail order. Yeah, I didn't uh, realize they sold things that weren't in sacks. I, what do you think 90% of... Look, I just don't want to give up on the sponsors, sponsorship. <laughs> but also, Chessex have made most of my dice. Oh, no, like, 90% of my collection is exclusively from them. Well, yeah. I've got fucking uh, mud at, I've got fucking mud dice that are probably from Chessex. <laughs> you know, you can, you can buy like dice made out of semi-precious stones, and that's the fucking bonkers, most bonkers thing I've ever seen. And Alex has several of them, but they're metal, not stones. Metal like, makes sense, though. Yeah, I got some hematite. Good Why shit. does metal make sense? Because I was in Emerald Tavern. Uh-huh. They make a, a great clunk, thank you. And he was like, you want to test these here dice? And she was like, sure, what are they made of? And he's like, bullshit rock. And she's like, great. He goes, roll it in this velvet box. And she was like, what? And she goes, it'll break on a table. And I was like, fuck that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, metal dice will just break a table. Yeah, that's Which why. is why Alex has to roll in his little velvet <laughs> box thing. Yeah, man, those things get loud. <laughs> also, respect people's dice. Everyone has different proclivities when it comes to that. Yeah, don't touch people's dice without asking, Alex. So, <laughs> or you might get stabbed. By which I mean, uh, you might upset them. People... Uh, in any sort of probability-based game or probability-based endeavor, people are going to have weird superstitions that crop up, uh, and you got to respect other people's space and other people's possessions. Set that up in Alex. Consequently, set that up in session uh, zero. Uh. Yeah, no. If you if you have a set of dice that's for other people to use and a set of dice that's your own, make that very clear. Yes. Okay. So we've got our people. We've got our characters. We have our established boundaries. Where do we go from here? So, uh, session zero, the plot of create care or uh, show up, show up, explain the world, create character concepts, create characters mechanically, run a introductory <laughs> combat. Okay, so just to get everyone kind of feeling the combat. Yeah, uh, yeah. Combat's usually. If not the most complicated part of, of a role-playing game, at the very <laughs> least, the part that showcases the most aspects of the system. If you're playing 3.0, have someone grapple someone else. <laughs> no, we'll That's all go home. Start. <laughs> it's still not as bad as trying to drive somewhere in GURPS, but I feel you. Yeah, you. I don't want to talk about GURPS. Look, the, 
The chart for how many ways there are to die while driving in Dark Heresy <laughs> is longer than the entire skill section, let alone just a description of the driving skills. I love Dark Heresy. It's so good. I love it so there much. There's so many different roles for being on fire. Being on fire is the most dangerous thing in the galaxy. It's yeah. how you guys killed the worm man. Yeah. It's also how I killed almost all of my characters in Dark Heresy. <laughs> What about the one who almost cut all of his own legs off? <laughs> oh no, he did. Um, he didn't die. I think I just decided this was a bad plan, and we acted like that session didn't happen. That was with the chainsaw. No, that definitely happened. That was a chainsaw uh, me. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's, I had, no, I had a two-handed chainsaw sword. That's right. That's why that character ended up in the hospital forever, and you were playing someone else. <laughs> yeah, because so, I didn't want to wing it. Oh, give, one, give people an off-ramp for their first character. Yeah, one of the most important things about Session Zero is... If you've got that friend who's really set on a terrible idea, it gives you the opportunity <laughs> to prepare for when that idea goes just Bad. extremely badly. So, like, you can run a run a introductory combat. Doesn't necessarily have to be canonical. Uh, usually they're not. You just say, like, oh, you fight these four orcs or these four uh, corporate security guards or these four... Gorblins. Uh, yeah, goblins. I feel like that's derivative of orc. I was going to go with combat servitors, but whatever. whatever. I'm tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a person had their hands in my mouth. What? what? Oh, right. This is this. Keep <laughs> the frame story up, man. You're not the boss of me. That was a weird sentence. Yeah, it was. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh, combat, chop, chop, chop. So you just run it. Uh, it takes you through initiative. It takes you through opposed tests. It takes you through trying to hit DCs or uh, difficulty classes or throw numbers or whatever it is for your system. It lets people learn the magic system, crucially, because yeah. that can slow down something like nothing else. Oh, goodness, yes. Uh, it kind of takes you through action economy, uh, which is going to be at its least abstracted during combat. And then you're kind of done. And you either have, like, something you tie into kind of the 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 introductory aspect of the characters or just, like, a, a throwaway that you went, yeah, you guys all did this thing and now everybody knows what they're doing. Uh, I had a Dark Heresy campaign uh, where the introductory combat was sort of a, like, uh, a training... Ex- was in character and was framed as a training exercise during the character's, like aspect and or uh introduction into the game and it definitely ended with most people's legs being chopped off um, i thought we were interrogating a foreman no that, that was, was session one that was session one when i made a bad mistake that was session one when it turned out that the guy you guys gave the briefing material to couldn't read <laughs> yes That's right. that, that was the retroactive justification for why you were interrogating a foreman was because you took the briefing material away from the only person who could read because they were from a fucking feral world uh, <laughs> and gave it to the person who couldn't read who claimed they could read <laughs> because they'd been reading like chick, like uh, Imperial Chick Tracks their whole life uh, and like looking at the comics. They're like, there's not a lot of pictures in here, but I bet I know what we're doing. Uh, and then there was a bunch of interrogation and like presumably divine interference and a bunch of people's more legs got chopped off. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was where my leg fell off. But, uh, helpfully, I had an idea that was where that was going to go because of Session Zero. Because, so I was ready for Session Two. (laughs) And I had to introduce three new characters. Oh, that's good. Session Zero also gives you a great way to take a temperature test on the kind of temperature test of the temperament of the... (laughs) <laughs> of the party. So you can take what you learned as a DM in session zero and plan ahead 
from where you know there's going to be difficult parts or dangerous parts and plan ahead on how that might affect the dynamic of the party if someone should get mortally wounded or die or get blinded, which happens. Yeah, and and even even for session one, be prepared to radically change the ideas you have for the campaign. Uh, you can still keep like an overarching general plot, but you're pro- you might have to like file some serial numbers off. Uh, <laughs> I definitely didn't go into the Cowboy Bebop session zero expecting it to be a like let's take down Moon Santo conspiracy. <laughs> Uh, which is what it became. I was just like, oh, you guys are going to be crime guys on the uh, uh, the ranch hand punk. Yeah. But uh, we ended up with the, the characters kind of developed over the course of set the uh, of character development. They created a company that they all had interactions with and they all ended up hating because it had destroyed their lives in one way or another and decided they wanted revenge on. So now it's a game about taking down this company. All right. I think that I think we can wrap up here. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that, like, if you go off those incredibly vague and rambling concepts we had there, you should hopefully be able to get some people together, start up a session, and figure out who shouldn't be there. See, I was going to say, if you're not sold on session zero at this point, uh, good luck to you. But that probably works better. Read right. Dune. You should probably also read Dune. Dune's good. You should, you should read as much as possible just because it's all important influences, but uh, Dune is one of those progenitor novels, like so, uh, Tolkien. Parts of it have an age as well as I would have liked, but yeah. parts of anything have an age. I was reading a webcomic from like 20, <laughs> 2004, and I was just like, ooh, this uses a lot of unfortunate language. Yeah. Uh, well, anyways, um, thanks for joining us. Um, We've been the GM screen. Mm-hmm. I'm Alex. I'm Matt. Robert. And as always, don't split the party. I'll let you have that one.